Godspeed, and this is the Interim Leader Podcast, brought to you by Hodges Interim, the UK's leading provider of interim management services. The Chief Product Officer, or CPO, is a rising star of the executive suite, highly sought after by startups and large enterprises alike. The CPO is a jack of all trades and master of them all. In particular, financial services and payments firms will pay handsomely for a Chief Product Officer, and perhaps rightly so. This individual will need to distinguish a company's products in crowded markets, continuously reinvent the next stage of a product's life cycle, and know how to operationalize increasingly complex technologies, such as AI and machine learning. Today, I'm joined by Tim Muzio, a consultant in our financial services and payments practice, to talk about what aspiring chief product officers should know about the role, and what organizations should know if they are hiring one. Tim, welcome to the Interim Leader. Thanks for having me, Grant. You're welcome. In the financial services and payment industries, when did the position of Chief Product Officer start to emerge? Without open banking and a piece of legislation called PSD2, the CPO and the discussion today probably wouldn't be happening. Okay. So um, what, what is open banking? Open banking is um, giving the consumer more um, access to products within financial services. As opposed to being, or as opposed to others feeling like they they are, they only have one institution. Um, so giving people the ability to know what else is out there. Okay, so this was a reaction to the, is it? Would you call them the big four? Um, it was a reaction from the the, the, the treasury um, mm-hmm. to look at what happens in banking and how much choice do people have out there when it comes to their day to day lives and banking, um, and they. The, the Competition and Market Authority um, came to the market and said um, the C, they created the CMA9 um, and this what the CMA9 was made up of the big four banks and other financial institutions mm-hmm. that they had to um, build open banking. So this makes it easier for me as a consumer. Yeah. You know, it's, let's yep. say traditionally I bank with HSBC and all my products are through HSBC yep. but I'm thinking, you know what, I kind of like that product over there, but it's too complicated for me to go and you know do all the paperwork and so on. Yep. So it, the, the the end, we're going to get to a market where um, if you are with a a smaller FS institution and you want one of their products, we're going to get to a stage where you should be able to um, have access to them, and it should be as easy as just giving someone access. But remember, they are licensed parties. There's nothing to worry about from a consumer perspective. Got it. What do you, by access, you mean I sort of sit there and apply for the product, but then they can access all of my data that's held with the other institutions. They, they should be able to have um, the access to that. But it's making sure that your current institution um, is can enable it to happen. Okay. And that's where a lot of the technology change has happened in the last three and a half years, four years, where the, a lot of the incumbent institutions haven't had to go for this change in yeah, of 40 course. years. So why would they ever share data historically? I am a customer of a bank and they're yep. not going to want to give that and make it easier yep. for competitors, right? Correct. So this is government legislation that's saying actually you've got to enable that yep. across all of license, right? And that's crucial, isn't it? It is absolutely crucial. Okay, so they're licensed with the, is it FCA? Um, so regulated FCA businesses. Okay. Um, but if you are a, a licensed third, you could be a, a, an organisation in Europe. This is a European-wide legis- legislation. Uh, but but what about Brexit? 
Brexit hasn't got anything to do with um, with this piece of legislation. This is European wide. Fine. Okay. Okay. Right. That's clearer for me now. So, yep. so I'm guessing that there's been a huge change in the role of the CPA. Absolutely. And that's where that's where it's been. If you are a CPO, where you go now and what you do and who you work for has become critical. So you don't just go and pick the next CPO role. You look at actually is this company something I, I can do something really fun with and can I make a difference? Okay, so this is creating products, yep. typically digitally, but, yeah, with, yeah, 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 but yep. with, a, with a banking back end of it, yep. um, but a variety of different products, right? So, so historically moving away from that savings loan yep. kind of piece to... to it, could be sim- it could be as simple as, a, as moving money abroad. Um, there's lots of um, there's lots of um, we talk about un- underbanked or um, unbanked industry. That market is underserved by current incumbent organisations. So there are institutions, smaller fintech players that are there to solve that problem and solve that challenge. And the CPO in that role, their their aim is to help the underbanked or help people move money abroad and not feel like they are paying an absolute fortune to do it. That's really cool. So this is an enormous change, right? So I'm guessing the CPO's been there. It's been a role that's existed for a long time. Yes. But you're seeing more of an emergence of this type of, or, or the, this, this position's now in more demand? Absolutely. And it's the, it's one of the biggest challenges that we've, that we've had. Um, it's, in the in days gone by, it was a uh, it was a role that yes, it was important. But nowadays, when it become we talk digital, you're talking chief technology officer, you're talking chief information security officer. Again, it goes back to data. What do they know about your data, um, and what can we give away? So the product has to work. If it doesn't work, you're not going to use the the product. Pick out some successful products. Yeah. Um, I'd like to use, I'd think of um, World Remit as an example. Okay. Um, they service the, the African market and transfer money from the UK to um, African markets. Hmm. So making sure that that happens um, quickly and the, con- and the consumer isn't paying the same amount of money as using a high street bricks and mortar um, Travelex or, or a Western Union. Yeah. Um, if you can use it, a digital only play, Therefore, that digital-only play becomes a cheap play for the consumer to use. And they're a great example of that. Yeah. Are you seeing that a lot of these CPOs have kind of come from... It strikes me this is coming from the tech world, the software world, right? Yep. You know, is, is that the route that people are taking? or People have come... Typically in the past, people have come from that software engineering, software tech companies. Um, but as this market has become much more digitally based... Mm. Um, it is about well, what can we do mm. the challenge in that is fintech businesses now as they grow up and as they mature um, they, they have to behave in the same way as a larger incumbents that's a big discussion point um, but, so the CPO has to understand the regulatory landscape that they're in as well okay so there's a much more commercial business acumen needed on top of it it's not all you know Sprinting around with a little scooter, coming up with ideas. Exactly. So they have to. They have to. This is this isn't where it goes back to. They ha- they are a ma- They have to be a master of all of knowing that what they're building can and is collaborating with the business as a whole. Because the product doesn't 
fulfill its regulatory needs or its risk needs, it's not going to take off. Yeah. So what what key skills, you know, for, for a true CPO in this fintech and the payments industry, what are the key skills that, that they would possess? I don't like the term soft skill, but it's a very important skill because it's a hybrid skill set to communicate with a CTO, understand what technology is needed to be able to communicate with the regulatory and risk and compliance team and legal team. It's, uh, it's those skills and the, that high emotional intelligence and uh, communication. And I guess this is a matrix, right? Absolutely. So, so, yeah. so they're, the, the, the titles that you've mentioned, they're not all reporting into the CPA. No. No. So, so it's almost getting your peers to sit there and, and drive what you need. The CPO needs, needs to be and um, should be at the board level mm. now. If you're a small fintech, you've probably come from, you are the brains of the operation and you've taken some great people on the journey with you. But as you scale and as you, as you get bigger, you're going to need a CPO. Okay. Um, and arguably, the CPO will then be, have a direct report into the CEO. So it's no different to being a large incumbent in having a place at the board table. Okay. So, so we, we just touched on this, that role does involve working across lots of the different functions. Yep. Does it sit, you know, you, you've said it should sit reporting into the CEO. Is that where it actually sits within the business? Is it a board level job at the moment? It depends where you go. I think it could be, it could still report into the CTO. It could report into the, the marketing officer, the CMO. Okay. Um, it, it is that hybrid, isn't it? You yeah. Know, product development, but it's software product development or IT product it's, development. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Um, but does that confuse it? Sitting yeah. in one of those when you've seen it work like that? Yeah, it does confuse it, and that's where the part of the challenge has been of, you know, you know, how much technical skill does the CPO need to have? Again, if you're a CPO, do you do you need to understand the code? Probably not, but it'd be really helpful if you can help direct this, the, the engineers. That's a real buy-in with the engineers mm. um, in these fintech firms or, or large incumbent FS firms. But then I suppose you've also got to have a, a visual kind of bent of what, you know, what that c- consumer yeah. experience is going to be like. Exactly. So if, if the user interface looks doesn't look very good, are you as the consumer going to lo- use it or are you going to get put off by it? If there's too many click-throughs, um, this all goes back to the product person. If, if it leaks data, then it's not going to work and you're going to have a problem with, the, with lots of different people and stakeholder. Yes. So it's, it really is... It, that's where it becomes really hard to, to hire in this place, whether it's interim or permanent people. Yeah. The skill set is, um, it, again, it's not a pure techie play here. It's across someone who can talk to the business. And that's a real challenge. So when you factor in that you're looking for an IT person yep. that's got some great marketing skills, yep. that is also extremely commercial, yeah and has a high level of emotional intelligence and ability to engage with other people. Yeah. You're, you, you know, you're looking for a needle in a haystack often. You absolutely are. And, and that is, it's, it's a major, major challenge in the industry. Um, we can look abroad for that talent, but then we have a, a wider um, challenge in the market, which is the, the diversity piece. Mm. That's, a, that's also a bigger challenge. Yeah. And when you look at actually how much talent is out there 
it's not a lot of people. Yeah, it's quite limited. So the challenge, therefore, is then retention. Yeah. Um, and we have seen that change mm. in the industry. You've seen people from large incumbents to want to go to fintechs. You've seen people from fintechs think, do you know what? I want to go and work for a large incumbent now. Yeah. Um, but which has always been the same between you know the, the, the it's always grass is always greener when you're in a startup and you've got no yes. funds you always want something with great resource and, yes. and vice versa you want the agility that you get in a startup absolutely can I, I so I, I've heard you mention this before that in startups CPOs are sort of like the founders really aren't they the, the, the greatest the best fintechs that I know right now um, are often by ex-marketeers, ex-salespeople right. who are now who've gone away with a team of core people alongside them, typically the CTO or a, um, sometimes a finance person, and they've built this thing from scratch. As they scale, as they get more investment, as a product gets more usage out there, mm. that CEO's got his or her's job has changed. Their job has become. Yeah, it might be raising money or whatever it Absolutely. might be. So they've yeah. moved away from what their skills were, so yeah. need that CPO to come in, right? Exactly. So handing over that, that job yeah. to someone who's, who's, who's coming in as a CPO normally um, offers new life and more ideas and more experience into that um, organisation. But you can see, therefore, in a startup why that role is quite difficult because you're trying to replicate the skills of the founder from early on. Exactly. Yeah. You touched on the team there that I, I, I've, I've mm -hmm. been interested to learn. What, what's the makeup of a CPO's team look like these days? You know, it really is product managers, um, UX, um, UI, um, designers, software engineers. That's typically um, the core competency there. Um, but having a product manager there is, someone again, someone who can help you um, drive that product out to market. Who shares the vision, yeah? yeah? Yes, absolutely. So it's almost your sort of right-hand person that's coming in, driving it for you, that sits underneath you and yes. you know, can work across these things as well. And it is that foot, that foot soldier piece. Um, and someone who can, it, again, it, it, I don't want to over-egg collaboration here. It is one of the most important parts of the business. Mm. Um, if you lose your engineers, you're not going to have, you're not going to build a product. And it's not just you build it once. You keep you keep building it. You keep rebuilding it. You keep. How many times have we seen um, in your in your phone that there's a new version available, a new patch is available? These products don't just stop at version one. Um, yeah, of course. And that's where the product team are looking at how can we make it better. Once upon a time, you buy a mortgage, you have the same mortgage, the same loan, the same savings. Nowadays, they're changing all the time digitally. Yeah. So what your access to them or what's being offered to you and so on yeah in the same way you use your your phone for iTunes or whatever it might be it's always changing it's always evolving Let, let's get back to that difference because I'm intrigued by this one you know the, the, the that difference between the the startup CPO and your big organization corporate CPO you know mm -hmm. I, I'm imagining you know we've talked a little bit about the, the former but the latter is much more uh, somebody who's come up through that categories that we talked about or mm -hmm. become a project product manager and then moved up mm -hmm. into it do you, do you think they're different do you think they can be interchanging between CPO from a small business into a big business and so on I think um 
they can be interchanging, but when you come through a large incumbent financial services institution. Big budgets, right? Big budgets, and you can keep testing. But the question is, is how much is it believed in by the board? And traditionally, large FS institutions, it's, it's, it's not really on the radar. Yeah. There are examples now where, um, in the UK, where you've got Lloyd's Banking Group, who are well on the radar. The, the team believe in, the, the exec team believe in um, developing new products. Barclays is a great example of building products. If it doesn't work, let's move on. Let's keep investing. Um, and you, Barclays have, um, over the last eight to nine years, developed products that don't even exist anymore, um, but they gave it a go. So bringing that, so, so that's interesting, right? Because you've got a conservative mindset with a yep. small C conservative mindset and they're now trying and failing yes you know, which is much more of a startup mentality right absolutely like we use Barclays as an example you know that if um, they're digital eagles um, it, you if you are um, offering products to the elderly yeah um, so how do we use the internet how do we use the website yeah, okay, do, yeah I do, so do, that yeah. is something that depending on what way you look at it, it it's it's a great idea that they've given they've gone to market they've you'll see the adverts on tv they're not afraid to innovate they will take in um, fintech um, organizations and take them under their belt and help them build their business out um, there's some there's been some really good examples of that and do you see the movement the other way where a startup says you know what we need some you know, big company experience to bring people in in the, in the six years that I've seen fintech and payments grow, we're now in a position where these organisations, these fintech organisations, are growing up fast. And if they wish to be competing in the same space as the large incumbents, behaviourally they have to change. And culturally they have to change. And we've started to see that really shift. Mm. That's not just in the CPO movement, that's across all, all C-level roles. Yeah. Thank you so much today, Tim. It's been really interesting and I'm fascinated by the role. I'm sure what you've discussed today will be helpful for both current and aspiring CPOs and the organisations looking to appoint them. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you to everyone who has joined us for this episode of The Interim Leader. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please do like, subscribe and follow for more insights from our network of consultants and interim leaders. Mm-hmm.